It'll take four seconds for it to uh, connect through to the, the speaker. Hi. 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 Yep, we're good. Here. There's our, our Luke Bible reading. This is Mary and Martha. Please, Beck, would you read that for us? So this is from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. That's great. Beck, do you want to take a seat? Come and yeah, have this one. Sorry. No, I want this one. Hey, um, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Um, as I was chatting with Beck, we wanted to um, just connect people to more of our community that's going on, yeah? So this is Beck. Uh, Beck's been part of the church. How long have you been coming here for now? Uh, we, came, we moved down just before Christmas last year from Carafa. So, so six, six months. months. Six months. So good to have you with us. Um, I want to do another Bible reading before you share your testimony. This is the other reading from our lectionary. If you're not on our lectionary readings, people, get onto our newsletter. If you're not on our newsletter, get the QR code, send us a link and say, hey, we want to join your mailing list. Okay. Um, I'm going to give another Bible reading. This is out of Colossians uh, 1, verses 15 to 20. And it says, uh, it says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, uh, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And this is our key passage for today. He is before all things, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So good. So today I wanted to invite Beck up to help me unravel this text in Colossians um, and that text from Luke. Um, and just have someone to bounce off as we unpack what I think it is that God has for us this week. Um, I look forward to hearing part of her testimony as we share um, but also I wanted to highlight that God is doing something in our church. God is doing something in our church and our community. And Beck um, has some great stuff to speak from, from her past experience with her church uh, from Karatha. And I hope God will speak to us as a community through this more casual interview style uh, today. So um, let me get back to the scripture that you read, the Luke one, the Mary and Martha one. Um, I love this scripture because I think it frames where our church is at, uh, where our community is at, and I think it might um, be where perhaps some of us are at with our individual relationships uh, with God. And this is the picture, right? Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is finally fed up with all the work that she's doing, and she's complaining loudly to God of her burden. And yet in our Colossians passage, we hear that, hang on a second, God is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. And so, together, these two passages, they speak, I think, into the heart of the mid- or post-COVID burnout that we're experiencing 
at the church and the moral injury that we're facing in our community, where we're all trying to get, you know, all the things that need to be done, done, right? Everyone's busy. Stick your hand up if you're busy these days, yeah? Everyone's just flat out, yeah? Even the kids at the back, they're feeling, are you feeling flat out, kids at the back? Yeah, only you and, okay, good. That's good. <laughs> Your kid, my kid. Why? How could that be the case? Who knows? Anyway, um, but our concept, our context around us as a church is changing, right? Like we're we're live streaming now around the globe. Last week we held a funeral that was uh, that was watched over in England, right? Um, our context is changing, and our local community is changing as well. So the census came out. And our community has grown by nearly 20% over the past five years. I moved to town five years ago, six years ago. Okay, so even in that time, the town has grown. Um, and the percentage of those that would identify with institutional Christianity is decreasing. So I think it's important that we ask the question, you know, keeping in mind this idea of moral injury that I, I brought up earlier, are we wounding ourselves that are maintaining structures that are hindering our relationship with God? And maybe it's time to put the structure or culture aside for a time to sit with Jesus, you know, come to a greater spiritual understanding of who you are in relationship to God. And so this is the main point, and I'm getting to you, Beck. I'm sorry you're sitting there. You're doing so well. Um, this is the main point, okay? If you take nothing else away from today, know that this, God is at work. God is at work and that we are to rest in him. God is at work and we're to rest in him. Um, okay, so I'm going to flick to Beck now. I want to hear a part of her story as I think it reflects a part of our, all, all of our stories to a degree, um, you know, to find what it is to find comfort in a church um, to heal from these moral injuries that we might come across. Okay, so, hey, Beck, thank you for... That was the introduction. Um, so great to have you up here. Uh, your vibrant and personable personality has been such a gift to this church. Has everyone met Beck in some way, shape or form? If you haven't, come and say g'day after the service. Um, Beck, I know that you've uh, previously worked as a chaplain in uh, schools and, uh, and you've been heavily involved in all of that stuff. So, so good to have, um, have that perspective as well. Can you share for us a small snippet of your upbringing for us? What's your testimony? Tell us about what happened when you were a kid, how you got to know about faith and all the rest of that. I did have to say to Damo that my testimony is 43 years long and still going, so I have had to really cut it. <laughs> for no, morning. no, all good. Um, but in a, in a nutshell, so I was raised in a family where my father was a non-believer. My mum did not have an active faith, but she felt it very important to take us to church. So growing up, we um, attended the Uniting Church with mum. Mum and dad were together, but dad just didn't come. So as a four-year-old, I was baptised or christened in the Uniting Church. And then at 13, I um, was confirmed in the Uniting Church. And looking back now, I can see that that was very much a peer pressure decision rather than a faith decision. Um, all of the youth group were getting confirmed, so it seemed like that was the right thing to do. Um, soon after that, we had... Um, so my mum has had a long history of um, severe mental health issues. 
and um, not long after that there was something fairly significant happened in our family and um, it was a time that we probably needed the church the most to support us and instead we found condemnation and blame from the church and so that really that was the end of our involvement with church. Um, thankfully, my brother, sister and I all maintained a relationship with God through that time, um, but didn't have anyone alongside us growing our faith or um, anything. So it wasn't then until I went to uni and met some Christians. There was a, a Christian Bible study going on at, um, at uni. And these, these guys were great. Like they were just really lovely people. And I felt genuinely loved. And so that piqued my interest and I had also noticed on a Sunday evening driving past the Wodonga Baptist Church that it was a happening place on a Sunday night and I thought there's got to be something going on there. So these guys from uni invited me along and I found my people and um, I attended an Alpha course and um, encountered the Holy Spirit and yeah so that was that was probably in a nutshell and then it was not long after that that I was baptized by immersion in the Baptist Church. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Isn't that a great story? Like, well, it's not great that actually the church wasn't so good. Um, but isn't that just a picture of, hang on, we're going through life and sometimes we make missteps and sometimes community lets us down. Um, interesting. We've got something uh, about that coming up in a little bit. Um, as we prepared today, uh, you mentioned to me in your story a wound you received from your parents uh, about that time as you were wanting to get reconfirmed. Um, has that been resolved? Tell me, tell me about that. Okay, so when I rediscovered my faith and started attending the Baptist church, chose to be baptised, I also prayed a lot and had a lot of people praying with me about becoming a member of the church. I felt that that was where I was being called. And um, so I decided that that was something that I was going to do um, and had lots of meetings with the pastor and it was something that I felt very strongly about. And the morning that I was going to church to be welcomed into membership, my parents actually stopped me at the door and they said, you love that church more than you love us. And I felt in that moment I had to make a decision and there's no easy decision in that mm. because my heart was telling me one thing. Well, my heart was telling me two things, I guess. My, my spirit was telling me one thing and I love my parents. I love them. I honour them. I, you know, and... I had to walk out that door and I didn't know if they would ever forgive me. I didn't know if I was going to come home from that service and have all my things packed on the front doorstep. Mm. I didn't know what would come of that, but I knew that I had to follow what mm. God was telling mm. me to do in that moment. Moral injury, yeah. So, Huge one. So yeah. in, in answering your question, that injury has been healed. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that over because time. this has been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it took a lot. Um, there's always been a lot of animosity and I think resentment from my parents about my love for God and the fact that I think in that moment my priority was set pretty clear and over time I if anything I would say that it's maybe challenged my mum's faith more um, it's certainly made my dad question his beliefs and since I've had the kids that certainly helped me reach him at a different level because I think it's always was always going to be hard as the child talking to the father but now when I can say to him I remember when um, Wyatt was born and I was talking to dad on the phone and I said you know he's just so fearfully and wonderfully made mm. 
Why, yes, you um, are famous, mate. Well done, Colin, from the back. It's great. Dad said something about evolution or something, and I said, Dad, I have to stop you. I said, it actually just grieves me and offends me so deeply that you could possibly think that this child who is so fearfully and wonderfully created and made mm. has somehow evolved from mould. Or, like, you know, there's no purpose in that. I said, that actually... And he was like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, so it's, yeah. But over time, um, I think as I've become an adult, they've had to... I was still living at home during that time when I was making that decision and that made it very hard. But um, over time, I would say that that wound has definitely healed with my parents, mm. not in an active way. Like I've never... We've never resolved it in a, hey, guys, you morally injured me and I forgive you. But from my heart, yeah, yeah. I have forgiven them. Yeah, it's good. And... Maybe you should do that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You do, you do what God, God's telling you. If he's convicted you to do that, that's great. Um, sometimes it's good to let things go as well. But hey, um, I love that the Spirit of God is an active and always working force. You know, not just when you're little, but he's actually working in your life now. That verse in uh, Colossians, verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And in him all things hold together. Um, now, it's not just through your life. You're actually still repairing from this, aren't you? You mentioned, is it okay for me to, to ask you about this? So a couple of weeks ago, you said you had another moment of repair yeah. just by being a part of community. Do you want to share a little bit yeah. about that? So um, a, a few weeks ago, it was actually Bruce was preaching and um, he was mentioning about, you know, even if everyone on earth hates you, even if everyone turns their back on you, even if everything is against you, God is still for you. And I think it was only in that moment that I realized what had happened in that moment with my parents and how, again, God had gone before me. And I think it's not until you have a moment where you apply that or have it so obviously happen in your life that you can realize that, you know, there was no fear in that moment of walking out the door. I knew that God had me and I knew that in that moment, that was the only thing that mattered. There was a lot of emotion involved in that, but there was no fear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you can kind of stand quite firm on knowing. And, and it's just how God continues to reveal himself to you. Like we're talking 20 something years later, you know, that, that, that's still, you know, you can still hear something and say, wow, that's how God worked back then. And look at what trajectory that set me on, you know? Mm, so good, right? Mm. Is that good? Yeah. Um, hey, Beck, do you mind reading out this Colossians passage? I really want it to sink in for us. Um, so I just want you to read it again. Um, and we'll, we will just let it, as we rest at the feet of Jesus, as we read this, Maybe we'll close our eyes. Can we close our eyes? Please read this out for us back again, just so that we get a, a deeper understanding of it. So Colossians 1, 15 to 20. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were your enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. That's mm, good. Such good words, yeah. So um, I'll get you just to, to stay with us for a little bit more because I've got another... I'm going somewhere else with this now as we, as we unpack this Colossians a little bit more. The Colossians, uh, they had a problem in their theology, right? Like regarding how Christ was at work in their midst. How is it that Jesus was involved in their salvation and by what right was Jesus doing these things? And we hear these, these words, uh, the son is the firstborn. He was there in the beginning. We hear um, all things were created through him. He has a power. He has power and he is supreme over them. Um, and so Paul wrote to them to help them understand who Christ was in relation to the Father. You know, the one who was outside of time, the one firstborn of all creation, alongside God from the beginning, uh, the uncaused first cause of the entirety of the cosmos. And as Christ and God decided to be, so it was decided how everything should hold together. And this is the spiritual force that goes before all of us, you know, before each of us, the saving power of Christ in all movements. Salvation that isn't just a decision in a moment of time, so you, you had a recommitment moment or you had a, a confirmation moment. or No, no, what we're talking about is not just salvation in a choice moment, but actually a salvation that proceeds before us and walks with us in each moment. And so the focus of the gospel was never... Jesus on the cross, as much as that is the gospel, the focus of the gospel is actually God with us, Emmanuel, and they shall call him Emmanuel, God with us, salvation walking before us in all aspects of life, both the good aspects and the bad aspects, in both our sin and in our righteous movement, the stuff that we do in that Psalm 15 that we read at the very beginning. God is with us in both our joy and in our moral injury. He is sustaining and working in all things for our understanding of how the world works, both in the material and in the immaterial. I love what it said in verse 28, if you've got it in your... Um, in your laps there, in your Bible. Um, why does he do this? It's for our maturity and in our growth. For our maturity and our growth. God is before us, working with us in our, for our maturity and our growth. And so if that's the case, he's at work now here in our church, in our circumstance, outside, in our homes, in our families, even if we don't see it. So... Beck has been through an experience with her church um, recently, and some of you may have heard her story. Um, and I want to let you know that I've been in touch with nearby pastors to confirm what she's about to say has actually happened. It was cool at the pastor's retreat. I got to catch up with uh, Gavin Douglas, who's the pastor at Tom Price. Do you know Gav? Yeah, yeah. Alana was a chaplain as well. Ah, what a top guy, right? Oh, 
He, uh, he's a minister out at Tom Price. His beard is glorious. He's got a glorious beard. He's Jesus. Oh. Anyway. Okay, okay. Maybe that's revealing too much about me. Okay. But, um, so, Beck, you've, um, you've had a problem with your... Well, you've had problems in the church that you came from, and I want to get to that in a bit. Um, but before we do that, I want to preface for those that are visiting. And it's important that I speak this out because I, as a church, well, actually, what are we doing? We're contextualizing what we read in the scripture for actually what we're doing here in our congregation, our community. So for those that are visiting today, um, the context for, for what's happening in our faith community here is that we've been through an interesting run over the past six months. Uh, I've been here for about nine months now in a pastoral capacity. Uh, our previous full-time pastor, he resigned uh, just as I started my contract. Um, and, uh, and my role sort of hasn't been nailed down by either the board or the members. So yes, I am the pastor, but I'm the assistant pastor, but that guy left. Does that make me the pastor? Does that make me the... Well, actually, yes. So what's happening is we're looking at going, okay, we need a new pastor, so we need to have a call committee put in process, all the rest of that. Um, and so that's a crazy situation because you go, hang on a second, how much do we listen to Damo uh, and how much do we wait for the new guy to then tell us how to be faithful to Jesus, which is crazy, right? Um, and here we are in amongst it all with Colossians 1, uh, Colossians 1, Christ proceeding before every movement, Christ with us in every movement, in the bad missteps and in the good that we would have to do. So we were looking for what God would have us be as the community of believers here in Margaret River. So, Beck, your, uh, your story has inspired me to continue to trust in God for his plans and outworking for the church here. Um, can you share a little bit about what happened in your previous church context and how the church became who it was always meant to be in the trial that they uh, went through? So, our story is long. Um, so over, it happens over a long period of time, I guess. But a pivotal moment was when we had a pastor leave quite suddenly. And... Um, through that, through him leaving, there was division in the church of, of people taking sides of what had happened. And so there was division, there was um, hurt, there was damage. And then we called, we, we had a search committee, but I don't know if it's how different it is down here, but if you're trying to call a pastor to the Pilbara, it usually takes quite a lot of time. Um, so we had a long period of time, like we're talking 18 months, where we didn't have a pastor in our church. Um, sorry, we had an interim pastor in our church. We had um, uh, someone come and, and spend time there. But during that time, we really kind of just held, held where we were. There was no work done to kind of heal or to overcome or to grow or anything. It just maintained the status quo. So a lot of that was just festering under the surface. So we then had another pastor come and the division grew in our church and it became an incredibly unhealthy environment to be in. Uh, we, my, Eric and myself, we actually got to the point where we were praying about leaving the church and we felt very strongly convicted to stay and that was the hardest thing. I would feel physically ill on a Sunday morning turning up to church. 
and it was a battle to turn up to you know to keep going but God just kept saying turn up turn up and you know you've just got to be obedient in that and so that culminated that that season for our church culminated in an horrendous members meeting where it was people were just publicly um character assassinated basically it was just it was really it was terrible and I actually did go home from that meeting and was physically ill like I just was so broken thinking where is God in all of this if this is you know this is his church and I remember getting on my knees and just praying that God would destroy that church like I said just bring it to its knees just destroy the church and start again like just be have you instead of this church and I remember him just giving me this vision of rubble and these beautiful little green shoots coming up. And I knew that God was in it, but we also knew it was not going to be soon mm. and it wasn't going to be easy. Mm. So that particular pastor left and again, we had a gap. So we had an interim pastor come. The difference in this time was that that interim pastor actually did a lot of work in getting alongside families and hearing people's story, giving people the opportunity to share their experience and what had happened for them. And through that, through doing life with them, through giving people a voice and praying with people, there was healing in our church. And that was happening at an individual level. And so then when we then called our next permanent pastor, the church was in a much healthier position. We didn't have all that festering um, you know, illness under the, under the surface. So we then had a great pastor come for um, nearly two years. Um, He did a great job in getting the church aligned on a vision, like where are we taking this church? Like where is God leading us and what is our role in that? So we got a great vision. We just couldn't get traction. We we often described it as we were kind of spinning our wheels in the mud. We knew where we wanted to go, but we just couldn't get traction. And then circumstances for that particular pastor and his family changed quite suddenly as well, and they left. Mm. And it was very discouraging for the church because we thought, oh, we were just making progress, knowing that historically it takes so long to get another pastor. It's just like, it was very discouraging. Mm. Of course, God's in that. God has a plan. And for the first time ever, we called a pastor and he came straight away. Mm. So we didn't have a break in momentum, basically. We had our vision set. We called a pastor, they came, and from that point, we got real about where we wanted the church to go. Um, So it was, go on with the process of what we... Well, so in each of those pastors that came through, there was both good and there was bad, right? Yeah, and so um, the lesson that the church learned, I think, is where we want to get to. What was it that actually at the end of all of these pastors that have come through... What is it that was the key thing that the members needed to actually catch in amongst that church? I think the most important thing is that we are there to do God's will and that God, Christ, is the head of the church. The church can never be defined by a human leader of the church. It can never be defined by individual congregational members. It has to be that we are representing God's will and Mm. individually and corporately seeking God's will for that Mm. church, for the direction. It can't ever come down to the identity of one person in a church being that Mm. that's what defines the church. It's God who defines the church and it's, um, yeah, Mm. Christ is the 
I love that it plays right into that Colossians 1.15, uh, the first bone overall creation in everything that Christ would have the supremacy, not us. So good. Um, I also think there's something in there about, hang on a second, you decided on a vision with this guy, but hang on a second, he left. What was it in the vision that actually made you go, hang on, this is what we want to be? Was so, it, sorry, I know, I know where I want to lead you, but you, give me the no, 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 well, so how much of it needed to be actually coming alongside what God was already doing in amongst uh, everybody's own passions and desires for the church? I think what became very clear is that we all had that desire to follow God's will, but we didn't have a structure around that. And we were probably quite blessed in the COVID period because that forced us to rest, like to take that wait time. We felt very strongly like that God was saying, I want you to go here, but there's things that have to happen in the meantime. So wait, like wait on me. And COVID forced that. We mm. had to wait. <laughs> there was, We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything, you know. Um, so during that time, we were very intentional about um, looking at the body of our church and looking at giftings. So what are the individual giftings in this church and how can God use them together to pr progress this vision that we have mm. for the church and the, you know, to grow the church, to get out in the community, to be the the bead, the, the hands and the feet. Yeah, so and um, so we all went on quite a, an individual journey. Um, it was really encouraging to see and to hear each week um, sharing on online church or in online Bible studies or message groups about how God was working individually in people's lives. And there was times that together as a church, we um, fasted together. We had periods of fasting and prayer. Mm. And um, that was a very new concept. That's so good. You mentioned this actually, um, and I loved it, that you said that actually you decided as a church to fast together and then break the fast at the start of a camp that you went together yeah. for a night or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, how good would that be? Do we want to do we want to fast for like three days and then all catch up for a dinner one night? How cool would that be? Can I just right? can I just say that like when you say fast, like I know when our church started talking about it, I was like, hey, yeah, that sounds great. Like I know nothing about it. Like it was actually quite terrifying for me to think about that and what does it mean and what does it look like and what's the purpose in that. And so we all, we had a lot of teaching around what is fasting, what is the purpose of it, how do you do it individually, how do you do it corporately. Um, and it was actually, we, we went on quite a journey because it's not just about food. Right? It's got nothing to do with food. It's about denying yourself things that you would, that would distract you you from God, basically. Mm. So if you are denying yourself something, if something is taking up time that you could be spending with God. So we had people who fasted from Facebook. Mm. We had people who fasted from online shopping. We had people who fasted, you know, from TV shows, things that are distracting you from God. And instead, in those moments that they would have been using that time, they were seeking God's will and reading his word and praying. And so it's... So good. I, I We're going to get back on track. It's good. Okay, so it's good. Okay. So good. Little, I little just wanted to there encourage you because I know like when, it, when people at the front of a church start talking about fasting, it sounds so holy and so, yeah. I don't know, if, that's how it felt for me and it seemed almost unattainable. But All right. Is. So let's get back on track. Okay. It's good. <laughs> I, oh, I'd love to go down fasting. Um, okay. But 
what it is is that the community had to engage in what God was already doing in the hearts and lives of the members that were already there. And what it was that the church started resourcing what it was that the community wanted to do. So instead of saying the pastor came in and said, we're going to go this way, that actually let's look at what the community is doing and what's active in the community, what God is already doing, and let's, as a church, resource and build into that. Okay, so um, I think that's, that's where we want to go with that. Now, as a... Um, hey, that's all I had for you, Beck. Thank you so much. Do you want to... Do you want to step just down? do a quick, like, of where things are at? Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Do we want to hear where the church is at now? Yeah, 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 please. So, basically, we had that time alone of, of seeking God's will and then came together corporately as well. And like Damo said, we had a lot of community engagement. We... Um, did, we had quite a few community workshops after church on a Sunday. We would invite principals of the high schools. Come give us a hug. Um, we had people from the, the city council come along. We had lots of people um, from uh, indigenous communities come and just brainstorm ideas of where they saw gaps in our community. And um, from that, that then gave us a vision. So we had, we had some money in our church that um, we'd just been sitting on. And we're like, what are we, what have we been called to do with that? So through that process, we were able to ascertain that the church wanted to not only improve facilities, but to grow in staffing. So that's where the church has now gone. And I'm very excited that as of last week, we have an associate pastor who yeah. has just started in the church. And I loved, I loved hearing that the connection with community has grown as well through the Shire. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. One of my most favourite things about that community collaboration is that um, we'd invited a strategic planner from the Shire to come along. And she, she was vibrant like she was excited about about the process and since then she's started attending church and she's actually joined the women's bible study as well which is just amazing, amazing. like yeah, it just so shows how god is just all over it you know yeah. yeah god is at work so good um let me let me pray for you beck uh can we pray for beck yeah please bow your heads lord god in this space we just thank you thank you for bringing beck to us lord and the experiences that she's gone through that are helping us now as we go through the same experience uh, at our church in a sense of losing a pastor and what do we do next? Lord, we ask that you would continue to be supreme in our church. Lord, we ask that you would continue to grow us and, and help us to be aware of where it is that you're moving in our midst so that you can make that way for us. Lord, that we would come alongside what you're doing. Lord, we pray a uh, blessing on Beck's family, all the kids and, and uh, the husband and extended family and, and parents and all of those different bits and pieces uh, those threads that make Beck who she is. Lord, we thank you for your involvement in that story along the way. Lord, we pray blessing on her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, thank you, Beck. Well done. Did we enjoy that? Can we give Beck a round of applause? Yep. So um, what do we do? Do we, do we transfer now from interview style to sermon-y style just to finish it off? Oh, who knows? Um, so... The Christian church has always seemed to be in flux, right? Like, what does the church need to be? What does the church, what is the church meant to be? It goes from flux from being, oh, let's just be graceful and we're going to go bless. And then hang on a second. No, we're, now we're blessing too much. We need to hold people to account. We need to disciple people. We need to make sure they're strong theologically. And so you get this, this two-sided dichotomy of what a church should be. And I, I think that's what a little bit of what you went through in your church as well as I heard a bit of the picture, as I heard a bit of the story. 
It's no surprise that we're trying to find this line in the middle. In the Bible, we had the Apostle uh, Paul, who was the theological strong one, the one who had the legs to make it all fit together and work. And at the same time, we had the disciple Peter, who knew what it was to fail, who knew what it was to stumble thrice, you know, to stumble three times and then still be renewed and restored, right? So you got this balance, Peter and Paul, and we find this in the church moving forward. There's a need for both personalities in the church, and we hold both of these roles, pastoral and theological teacher, but we have to find the middle ground for God's intent for our community here. What am I? Am I the pastoral one? Am I the theological one? I don't know. Sometimes I think theologically, sometimes I think pastorally. But at the end of the day, we must remember to sit at Jesus' feet, to listen to him about what we do next in our community. right? And so, like I said before, it's important for me to actually tell you guys, hey, we've triggered a process um, because of the resignation of our last pastor to have another pastor hired in the church. And as a church, I don't want to hide away from this. Oh, we're getting another guy in. What do we do with Damo? Whatever. Open to God. Rest at his feet. God is in all things, right? But at the same time, we need new members to be able to share where they feel that the church should go. So if you've been coming along here for a while, join up as a member so that you can have a say in, hey, we like this new guy that we're getting alongside the call committee is going to share with us, or actually uh, we don't think he's that good a fit, or maybe he's the great fit and we like him better than we like. doesn't matter. God is in charge, yeah, and God will continue to be in charge. God is at work and will continue to be at work. Everyone nod your heads. Yeah, we're okay. Good, we're okay, good. All right, so um, the last thing that we want to choose is somebody who won't fit our cultural melee that is Margaret River, okay? I'll talk about the potential for moral injury in that regard. Um, okay, so how am I going to finish this out today? I've got an application section. I was going to um, feed back into that Colossians 1 passage just one last time. Let's see what we've got here. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, verse 22, through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusations. Once we were alienated from God, we were enemies in our minds. You know, these moral injuries that we carry, these wounds, they blind us to the fact that Christ is here with us. We are alienated. And yet Christ is holding us together, proceeding before us with salvation, healing the wounds. When we experience the pastoral gift of a church, when we experience the healing words, we experience those places of reconciliation and redemption. What a gift of deliverance that is to us. I'm aware that we're running out of time. So let me skip all the way to the end. By way of closing, I'll share a story I heard this week. That a soldier, as he arrived at a barracks in Iraq, this is, from, this is an actual story from uh, the military chaplain that was the speaker at the pastor's retreat. A soldier, as he arrived at the barracks in Iraq, was warned not to approach the dogs that were near the entrance to the compound. 
The soldier that I'm talking about, he actually had a great affection for dogs. He loved dogs. Don't go near the dogs, he was told. Um, It wasn't until uh, later that he found out why that restriction was in place. They all had rabies. Don't go near the dogs, they have rabies. And unfortunately, it actually fell to him to be the one to shoot these dogs because there was nothing better for him, nothing better for them to do. He complied with that order, but the moral injury associated with that act it left a scar on his soul, something the counsellor that saw him has since recommended that he go see a chaplain about. Go see a church, go be part of a church community because it's in those moments that we need to see the truth of Colossians 1 verse 20, okay? And through him to reconcile to himself all things. I'm wounded, it doesn't make sense. And yet here it is, Christ proceeding before me in salvation. And so we need more than ever the rest that Christ calls us into, um, even with all the work around us that we could do. I think I'll leave it there. Let's pray. Let's pray together. God of salvation, redeeming sustainer, ever faithful God whose being is perfect righteousness. Reconcile us in your son with the helpless and the needy, with those that we would ignore or oppress and with those that we have called enemies, that we may serve you as people, as your hands of love, and sit at the feet of those who need our compassionate care. Lord, we ask that you visit your people. Lord, you pour out strength and courage upon us, that we may hurry to make you welcome, not only in our concern for others, but by serving them. And not in the normal way of Martha, but to enjoy their company as Mary, seeing you at work in all things, seeing your gift and your creativity in everyone and everything. Lord God, help us to rest in you. Lord, I pray that you would help our faith community over the next season. Lord, help it to come alongside what you're already doing in Margaret River. Lord, help us to glorify your name and expand your kingdom. Help us to create a community that you would be proud to walk among, like in Psalm 15. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've got one last song. There is no other name. I pray, uh, please stand, sing it with us as we close out our service.